This is the sound of the staff here at Focus on the Family Canada every weekday morning at 9 a.m. Petitioning God for those with crisis in their marriage, for those who want to become better parents, and those who are lifting up loved ones to the hope that one day they will know the salvation that Christ has to offer. We'd love to hear from you too. Call us today with your prayer requests at 1-800-A-FAMILY or email us at prayer at FOTF.ca. I've been hurt enough already, and I don't even want to think about it anymore. Just don't bring it up. I can't believe she said that. I'll never speak to her again. Oh, right. Like I'm supposed to forgive or something. I don't think so. It's payback time. Well, those are some fairly common ways that we tend to react in conflict with anger or perhaps a desire for revenge or maybe trying to avoid it altogether. Today on Focus on the Family, we'll be discussing conflict and uh, some ways that we respond and maybe a better way, a more godly approach uh, that we might call peacemaking. I'm John Fuller, and your host is Focus on the Family president, Jim Daly. John, in this life, conflict is inevitable, even for Christians. Even though we may know better, it's hard to fight that fleshly response. And uh, we know that's true by experience, but somehow... I think we wish or pretend that conflict simply wouldn't exist. That'd be nice. Uh, We don't like to talk about it. Conflict feels like something dirty that we'd rather not deal with, Mm -hmm. right? Of course, none of those responses are helpful or healthy. Attacking the person who attacks you doesn't really solve anything. Um, nor does running away from the disagreement you may have. It's finding that balance. Mm -hmm. Here at Focus on the Family, we have a different approach. We try every day at least. We have something called healthy conflict. We don't always hit the mark, but we try. And that is where we deal with contentious issues in a respectful, caring way before they get out of control. And I've always believed that we've got to put our problems up on the table The enemy of our soul works mischief when it's kept in the dark, Mm -hmm. but when you can talk things through in the light, uh, that's typically where the Lord can bring resolution, help, and healing. So I'm looking forward to today's program. I am too, and it sounds like it should be easy to manage conflict, but a lot of us just don't have the tools. I mean, our family patterns were such that... You know, there were eruptions. That was kind of common for my family. We erupted, and then we just moved on, and nothing ever happened. <laughs> no and, correction. Well, so, I, yeah, so I've tried to pass on a better legacy to my kids, but I think I failed. I mean, we had a couple girls fighting just the other day. <laughs> well, that, <laughs> it was exhausting. That's kind of uh, normal stuff, uh, right? So, yeah, wounds can run deep, and they can last for generations. That's true. Well, I love Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen, where iron sharpens iron. Mm. And that's what we want to achieve today. We yeah. want to... Uh, challenge you, sharpen you with our guest, Pastor Brian Noble. He's executive director of Peacemaker Ministries. He's also the executive pastor of Valley Assembly of God Church in Spokane, Washington. One of my favorite places, by the way. It's a beautiful area. It is lovely. And uh, he's also a certified Christian conciliator. And uh, Brian, that's hard to say, by that the way. That is hard to say. <laughs> but welcome to Focus on the <laughs> Thank Family. Thank you so much. And Pastor Noble has written a number of books. The one that uh, we're going to be talking about today is called The Path of the Peacemaker, Your Biblical Guide to Healthy Relationships, Conflict Resolution, and a Life of Peace. And you can get your copy at focusonthefamily.ca. Brian, uh, explain why you believe conflict or tension, as you call it, can be a force for good or bad in our lives. I like this concept. I think even negative things can be used for good. Of course, Romans, the book of Romans, says all things work for good, uh, including conflict, really. Yeah, so we at Peacemakers like to say we have healthy tension and unhealthy tension, right? Healthy conflict and unhealthy conflict. And the key to it is that healthy tension brings us closer together. 
Think about the illustrations of the Old Testament where God used tension or conflict to bring people back to him, back to his heart, back to who he is. And so we like to say that uh, that healthy tension creates better outcomes. And so what we see in the church oftentimes and in families is where silence rules and there isn't a great outcome. You know, there isn't a great, um, there's just patterns of bad behavior or patterns of, of uh, broken relationships. And so that healthy tension brings us closer together or can bring us closer yeah, together. Can, that's key. <laughs> you know, one of the uh, verses you point to is Romans twelve eighteen. Uh, this may be a God incidence, but Gene and I are reading through the book of Romans. And just today we were reading Romans 12 and read that very verse. Why is Romans twelve eighteen such a good verse for us when it comes to this issue of uh, peacemaking? Well, I think it's important when you look at the, the context of that scripture, he's talking about our love and what we go through. And then it says, if possible, as far as it depends upon me, live at peace with all men. The reality is it's not always possible, right? He that, does go to uh, extremes there to explain that maybe it won't happen all the time. It, yeah. yeah. And I think Christians <laughs> struggle with that. Uh, we get calls all the time where people begin to think, if I call Peacemaker Ministries, they have a secret sauce, they pour it over, whatever, and it just fixes everything. The reality is that we're, we're humans and we're fallen humans. And so sometimes it takes a period of time to see that transformation of heart. And so he says, if possible, as far as it depends upon you. So he does place the responsibility back on the individual. Live at peace with all men. And the reality is whether, you know, Jim, whether you respond in a negative way or I respond in a negative way, I can still be at peace with you because I understand the gospel message. Yeah, no, it's good. You know, something that we say within the Christian community often is in essentials, unity, in non-essentials, liberty, and in all things, charity. But why do we reverse that? It seems like we reverse that and end up fighting over small things that really don't matter, and we don't hold each other accountable to the things that really do matter. Right. I think since the fall, we've had a tendency to want to play God in things. And so James chapter 4 says, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not your desires that are at battle within you? And so that internal battle that we have is what causes us to take the minor things, those things that are just elements or preferences that we have, and elevate them to such a degree that we're willing to break relationship with them. Yeah. And so you think about that. Like uh, when I was first married, I can remember sitting on the couch with my wife and we just had a great dinner and she says something like, hey... Uh, are you going to go do the dishes? And I'm like, no, women do the dishes. Ouch. And she said, excuse me. And then I <laughs> yeah, no wasn't kidding. very smart. I repeated myself, right? I said, women do the dishes. <laughs> Maybe you didn't hear me right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I, I like to tell that story. It wasn't that I was a, a male chauvinist in that moment. I had the example of growing up that my mom did the dishes, right? And so I had equated my mom's way of running the household to the normal pattern. And so that desire was in me that way. And so just so we're clear, I do the dishes and cook now. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, it, but it raises an interesting point, and that is expectations. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So, so much of disagreement in human relationship comes from unmet expectations that we have on each other. Often in marriage, yeah. it's just not even expressed like that. Exactly. Well, don't you do this and I do this? And it's not mean-spirited. No. But it can be taken in such a way that, man, it creates big conflict. It can. And, and oftentimes when I'm talking to someone, I'll ask them, have you communicated that expectation? And I don't know the real percentage, but I, th- I would say probably 90%. No, I haven't. They should just know that. Right. <laughs> and it's like, 
I don't know that that's true. Do we really? I mean, can we really read someone else's mind? Or Well, let me ask all the wives listening right now. Right. Does that work with your husband? <laughs> I don't think so. I mean, we're terrible at reading our wives' minds, right? Right, exactly. Generally. Generally. I'm yeah. sure there's one that's going to send us a note saying, well, no, I do. Those. I do it well. Good for yeah. you. Maybe you should write a book. Um, <laughs> You've developed a four-step process, and this is really good. Maybe with your permission, we'll put these four steps Absolutely. at the website. But mm-hmm. um, And this is four-step process for peacemaking. What you call the path of the peacemaker. Uh, walk us through those four steps. So we, we understand that if we're going to handle conflict uh, from a biblical approach, we need to come to our senses. Like in the prodigal son, he found himself in the pig pen, and he, he came to his senses. So we say, discover the story. What are the facts of the story versus the emotional memories of the story, right? Because oftentimes those emotional memories will speak so much louder than what actually was said or took place. Now, I want to punch this a little bit because that sounds like one of the most difficult things to do as human beings is to really get to objective truth, what's really happening here. It's hard for us to do that. It is. And so we tell people, write out the story. If they're in a repeated conflict, write it out. Underline the facts and highlight the emotional memories. How interesting. And then we say, I double dog dare you to take that to a neutral person and see if they underline and highlight the same areas. Oh, wow. Because it's easy to convince ourselves that the emotional memory will always speak louder. It's that internal desire I was talking about wrestling inside of us, right. speaking louder than the other parts. So that's step one. That's step one. Just what's real. And then we ascend. We go back to our biblical core values. Like the prodigal son, he says, I'm going to go back to my father. So we go back to our biblical core values. We put aside the conflict, and we seek the things above. And so yesterday I was working with a gentleman back east, I'll just say that, and he told me his story for about an hour, and I said, let's stop and pray. I said, can I remind you that God is with you, Hmm. that his character is a good God? And so we prayed together, and it's amazing when you get that filter of God's presence and God's character is good and that we're children of God. Uh, into the situation. It helps filter us. It helps change our perspective. And number three, we reflect. We take personal responsibility. Matthew 7 says, take the log out of your own eye so you'll see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. That's a tough one. It is a tough one. (laughs) And and this is where we need help oftentimes. We need a coach to come beside us. And the reality is a lot of key leaders uh, and, and fathers and families they don't have someone who's truly honest with them to help them see the speck or the log in their own eye. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I kind of consider that spiritual dyslexia. We right. always we tend to act out like I'll get the speck out of my eye so I get the log out of your exactly. eye. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and that's not what the Lord is saying. And number four is connect. We we believe in asking for forgiveness and making a plan and implementing that plan. It's really key. The prodigal son said, I'm gonna go back to my father, and then the next verse it says, and he went. Right, So a lot of Christians say, I'm going to go do this, but they never go. Mm. And so that's where we need to be people where we make a plan and we go back and apologize. If you want to be the man of of your house, be the first one to the cross. Be the Mm. first one to repent. That's manliness. Brian, this is a tender area, but your childhood was tough. And people aren't going to pick that up because of your joyfulness now and your commitment to Christ and the fact that you're doing peacemaking. But you had a really hard uh, family life and your parents divorced. Tell us how that experience impacted you. Yeah, so I uh, my parents were divorced when I was like six years old, and this would have been in the 70s uh, when divorce wasn't nearly as common. I was raised in a small town in central Washington, and I, as far as I can remember, I was the only kid who had gone through divorce in our whole school. And uh, by the age of 12, I started uh, having an alcohol problem. At the age of 12? Yeah. So alcohol was in our home. Wow. So I was able to steal it from my parents or what what have you. 
And uh, it was, I would say, sporadic at times. You know, it was not as consistent. But by the age of 18, when I moved to Spokane, uh, it was every day. What were you trying to medicate mm-hmm. for? I think there was a lot of things. Um, you know, just going through a divorce. I think my, my dad, uh, I love him. And we've had, it's always hard to talk about because we're completely reconciled now. Uh, but uh, just my dad, was it was just a struggle for him. Yeah. Uh, he was a pastor, and so the divorce caused him not to, to be a pastor any longer. And there was just a lot of bitterness that was there. And so I was uh, working on that. Um, I think I was also just simply working on, you know, the, the fact of, you know, which parent do I live with? That was back when they did a lot of joint custody this week, that week, you know, and rules uh, changing all the time. Yeah. And so, and part of it was just naiveness and stupidness, quite frankly, but yeah. th- there was a lot of that going on. Well, and that's so hard and that feeling of, um, you know, I don't know, uh, inability or the lack of confidence can come from that. I know that because I lived something similar. My right. parents divorced about that same, when I was that same age, yeah. I didn't find alcohol in the house, right. but man, it's just, it's a crushing blow. Right. It is. And it's just one of those things that um, I, I think if, if people looked at their life and said, do I want to plan for this? Obviously not. But that whole verse in Romans where it says he turns it around for God's good. And so that's what gives me the burden and desire to help in peacemaking is to say, how can we save families? How can we save churches from going through destructive conflict? And just to be clear, at about 18, you cried out to God and... I did. Actually, uh, God used an unbeliever. I, I was actually contemplating suicide. I was thinking I was done with life. An unbeliever, just uh, a friend of mine from college, came over, knocked on the door and said, what are you doing? Uh, I had had my gun out. I was ready. And he took the gun. And I said, God, if you're real, you have to show yourself to me. And uh, and mm. just through a number of events, God revealed himself to me. Huh. And I went to a church in Spokane, and they they knew my grandfather, who was a pastor. And they're like, hey, they thought I was a Christian kid that moved to Spokane. You want to teach Sunday school? And I'm like, uh, sure. I, I didn't know what to do. And then they realized he doesn't know anything, you know? <laughs> and so they backed up the wagon and, and uh, said, wait, 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 we got to, we got to do some discipleship here. And, uh, Mark ID, uh, a good friend of mine asked me, do, do you know Jesus Christ as your Lord? Have you repented? I'm like, no. And so we repented of our sin, was baptized and just began to move in the things of God and, and went through Bible school and that kind of thing. Mm. Wow. What a remarkable story from Brian Noble today on Focus on the Family. And um, we want to encourage you to call us if you have any questions about what he was just talking about, knowing who Jesus Christ is and knowing his forgiveness. Um, We'd be happy to tell you more. And then uh, certainly we'd love to have you pick up a copy of The Path of a Peacemaker, your biblical guide to healthy relationships, conflict, resolution, and a life of peace. Uh, Reach out if we can help. Our number is 800, the letter A in the word family, or we're at focusonthefamily.ca. This Focus on the Family broadcast will continue in just a moment. Do you wake up and think of all the ways the day could go wrong? Does a list of worst-case scenarios play on a loop in your head? Can the littlest thing set off a spiral of what-ifs? Focus on the Family Canada has created a free PDF booklet filled with professional advice, biblical insights, and follow-up resource suggestions to help you better understand and navigate anxiety in your life. Download your free PDF booklet at focusonthefamily.ca slash anxietypdf. That's focusonthefamily.ca slash anxietypdf. Reinforce biblical values in your children with fun, hands-on activities from Focus on the Family's Clubhouse and Clubhouse Junior magazines. Kids love this entertaining magazine filled with challenging puzzles and exciting stories all designed to help your children build good character and a strong foundation in God. 
To order your Focus on the Family magazine subscription to Clubhouse and Clubhouse Junior, please visit us at clubhousemagazine.ca. That's clubhousemagazine.ca. Word of mouth is the best kind of promotion, and Deeks Insurance is proud to list word of mouth as a secret to their success. Serving the faith-based community with tailored plans and preferred rates for home and auto insurance, Deeks knows the importance of a good reputation, which is why so many customers refer their friends and their family to Deeks Insurance, a licensed insurance brokerage since 1981. If you can't wait to find out from someone else, then visit deeksinsurance.ca to get started with a quote. Deeks Insurance where family matters. Thanks for listening to Focus on the Family. Let's resume now with the balance of today's programming. Brian, in the book, you reviewed the life of Jesus and how he dealt with conflict. That's always a great source of direction for us, right? How did Jesus deal with this? Mm -hmm. Uh, He responded to it in, in kind of unexpected ways, and we can learn from that example. That's your claim in the book. Let's start with the story about the woman caught in adultery in John chapter 8. What can we learn from that experience? I think oftentimes when we look at conflict, Jesus knelt down and paused and let people do what they need to do. I find a lot of times in fathers and in leaders, it's stand up and fight, Hmm. right? So to kneel down and pause. And then when he addressed the woman who was caught in sin, he asked a question. Most of us, when we're, when we're in conflict, we make statements. Mm-hmm. And I've learned to step back and say, let's ask a question. Now, here's the thing. The more intimate the relationship, the more difficult it is to pause. So I could, I could work this out with you uh, between us really quick. When I, go, when I go home, it can be a lot more difficult because the relationship's much more intimate. And so having that go from area to area and making an authentic response takes time and practice. Yeah. Another one that is often used, I mean, I can't count the number of conversations I've been in when we're talking about the political arena or Mm -hmm. some other major conflict, and people go, Christians go right to Jesus overturning the money changer's table, right? Right, exactly. Because we love that righteous anger. And see, even Jesus got mad at these people, and he upset the money changer's table and cleared the deck, so to speak. Um, what was going on in there? What do we really need to understand about what Jesus was accomplishing in that moment? Yeah, I think it's important to realize that when we're looking at right, uh, righteous anger from Jesus and our righteous anger, there might be a slight difference, <laughs> right? For, first and foremost, because... Uh, one is was, righteous and one is not. not exactly. <laughs> and I also think that the things that Jesus fought for, that, his, that God's house would be a house of prayer... And my political preference might be two different things. And so oftentimes we take the standpoint from two different angles, right? And it's like we're saying, well, mine's righteous because of this. Well, uh, you know, is it really about God's kingdom or about your kingdom? I think that's a big, important question. Mm. Uh, you know, you think about, is this a, 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 a sin that you can find in the Bible? Or is this a personal preference that we have? And I think, and, and, you know, and then also to realize that Jesus never set aside the fruits of the spirit. That's good. I like that. You know what I mean? Like he didn't like in that moment. <laughs> he so, didn't well, temporarily lose it. There. Yeah, he didn't lose it there. He's like, uh, he everything he did, he did intentionally. And mm-hmm. I can tell you in my anger, everything I do is not intentional. Oh, yeah. it, 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 this is a great point. And, you know, it's funny. I, I know a Christian later one time we were talking about 
this person's lack of patience. And he said, you know, I just, out of the fruit of the spirit, I just don't have a lot of patience. I remember the thought that went through my mind is, I don't think it's a like a menu you order from. <laughs> I mean, yeah, give me four ounces yeah. of patience, six ounces of love. Right. It's like it's present or should be present in the believer's life because you're tapping into the very nature and character of God. That's mm-hmm. what the promise is. Yeah. 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 Brian, you mentioned something, and I'd like to ask about that. Why, why is it? I mean, I, I thought of Paul in, in uh, Romans 7 when he says, the very things I don't want to do, I do. When I get upset and I'm in an argument or I have a conflict, I really blow past everything I would like to see happen. Why is that? Well, I think it's because of that. It's sanctification. If we, if we boil it down to one word, right, we're being sanctified. We're being that process of being made holy in God's presence. So we are brand new creations. Uh, at the same time, there's parts of us that are being turned over and over and over because we won't be fully like him until his presence. Mm-hmm. Um, Romans chapter 7 is also one of the most misquoted areas because you have to read the bookends, Romans 6 and Romans 8. Yeah. And those bookends are important to the context. I, I, I've heard many leaders and, and fathers make excuses and say, well, I'm, I do the things I don't want to do, and so I just did those things. You know, That's not Paul's intent in writing those things. You know, right. uh, He says, shall we go on sending so that sin, uh, grace may increase? By no means. You know, And uh, the idea that we can truly uh, have self-control. The other thing is I think we look at perfection versus practicing. Hmm. We are being made perfect in the sight of God but we forget to practice. Um, And so self-control is developed by a daily walk, a daily practice. If you just wait till you're in the fight or you're in the, you know, in the, in the game and say, well, now I'm going to practice. That doesn't work in football. doesn't work in basketball. doesn't work in anything. You practice before the event. And I think oftentimes we forget to practice self-control before the event. Oh, that's mm. good. And and go through the mental picture of it. Exactly. That's what you're saying. Yeah. Hey, Brian, a key theme from your book, uh, The Path of Peacemaker, is uh, keeping our eyes on the main thing. Mm-hmm. So everybody's going to say, well, what? okay, what's the main thing? Do you have an example of the main thing? I think it's the gospel. Um, I, I like to ask people, when, when we talk about picking up our cross daily and dying, how are you dying in this conflict? How are you setting your preferences aside to allow God's newness of life to walk through you? It seems like we have a lot of theology when it comes to uh, salvation, but for some reason, when it comes to conflict, we forget that same theology. Mm -hmm. And so the main thing is the gospel message. And then I think it's both sides of the gospel. So it's not just what we don't do. But it's where we begin to proclaim what God has already done. We're new creations in Christ Jesus. And this is where, Jim, if we're in conflict, where I sometimes can think about your old bad behavior or my old bad behavior and forget to say, wait, that is a child of God sitting across from me. That, he's a brand new creation. Um, I had a conflict with a lady at church the other day, and it frustrated me. And I went down, I uh, actually sat in her hot tub, and I was like, Lord, um, What's going on? He says, tell me the story, right? And then what's biblical values? And then I said, oh, my core value is she's a child of God. That's my sister. And my whole perspective changed mm. because I remind myself that, that this is part of my family, not just someone who's annoying me in the moment. And so, <laughs> and so I called her back. I said, I was ungracious in that response. Can we have coffee and talk? And so her husband and we all got together and we just talked. And it was a, a great event to, to agree to pray about some things. And here's another tough one, Brian, and that is the overlooking of an offense. Mm. And I, right when I said that, I'm sure many listeners just went, yeah, but you didn't know what that person did to me. Right. You can't overlook that. Why is it so hard for us to overlook an offense? And why is it so important for us to do so? 
Right. So Proverbs 19.11 tells us that, that we're, it's to a person's glory to overlook a transgression. And so the idea of overlooking is not sweeping it under the rug. It's going to the cross. I believe it's through prayer and saying, Lord, I lay this at your feet and say that, God, you are the judge of this event. I think mm-hmm. it's intentional uh, versus uh, passive. And so then why is it critical? Because God has overlooked so much in us through Jesus Christ, right? He's laid it at the cross for us. And it's difficult because we want justice now. Mm-hmm. Um, we want to be right now. And I like to tell people, when you put this conflict in the scene of eternity and you trust God to be the ultimate judge, that's the last part of, of verse twelve, uh, chapter 12 of Romans, you understand that he's a much better judge than you are or I am. And Thank you, Lord. Yeah. He's <laughs> no fair, kidding. right? Yeah. And we have a tendency to think, well, because of God's grace, he's going to wink at sin or something. And it's not true. No. He's a righteous God, mm. and, and he wants justice, and so trusting him. Brian, as we come in for the landing, I, I love there was a story that you know really made an impact on me, and I want to close with that story about responding to conflict with humility. This is a female teacher, um, and this was you. How did you manage that? What was the scene? What did she do to pr- provoke the situation? How did you manage it? Yeah, so we entered into a public high school, um, and um, there had been two teenage suicides, and they had contracted with us to help figure out what the tension or conflict was. And so we had, uh, my partner and I, we had done a lot of intake conversations and discovery, and uh, we were giving a report back to the uh, teaching staff, and one of the ladies there didn't like the report, is in essence what happened. I was talking about consistency of classrooms, like having a consistent set of rules throughout the classrooms because the students were being frustrated with different rules in each classroom. And she stormed out. It was obvious that she didn't like that uh, that those points. And, and she said something, right? She slammed the door. I mean, in front of hundreds of people, she stormed out and slammed the door. And so I went to another teacher who I knew was a believer, and I said, hey, we need to go, we need to go talk to her. And he said, no way. <laughs> and he's like this tall guy. And I'm like, all right. Let's go. <laughs> and so, uh, A, I didn't want to address her alone, obviously, for yeah. those kind of reasons. So we went in there, and it was like a tornado had gone off, and she was throwing things, just a big temper tantrum. And so I don't know why. I believe it was just the Holy Spirit. I just got down on my knees by a table, put my arms up on the table, and, and said, tell me more. You know. And so she's like, all these men in my life try to tell you know. And so she was, went through this rant with me. And I, and I just listened, and I said, will you forgive me? And it got really quiet, and she started bawling. She says, you're the first man that's ever asked me to forgive. She started walking towards me, and I said, I want your forgiveness because obviously I hit a hot button on you, and that wasn't my intention. I want to respect you. I care for you, and I want you You seem like you're a great teacher. And she kept coming towards me, and she was this very short lady, and she says, Brian, can I hug you? And I'm looking at the other teacher like, is this appropriate? So I tried to do the Christian side hug, and she's just sobbing. And she told me, she said, I just have never had a man uh, do that. I've had an abusive husband. And she went through this whole little thing. Mm, yeah. And I, mean, I said, tough stuff. we talked through it. And then she says, well, I know that you were intentionally trying to single me out. Because I, I had never addressed her publicly, but it just felt that way. And I said, will you forgive me for that? And well, so, and Brian, in your experience uh, helping people like that, how often are these root things years mm-hmm. old and people are pushing a button that has been formed in yeah. some other circumstance. Yeah. I mean, it's like 100%. Yeah, it is. It's it's a huge percentage. And and oftentimes the, the individual themselves don't even know until that moment. Right. 
Because it's like a landmine. It's just sitting These there. These are triggers. Mm-hmm. Well, Brian, this has been so good. And that's why I want to encourage our listeners uh, and viewers to get a copy of The Path of the Peacemaker. It's an amazing book, rich with biblical teaching. I think you heard that in the program. And I consider it a must-read resource for uh, our family, and I think you will find it the same way. Order your copy directly from Focus on the Family Canada, and by doing that, you're helping us to also do ministry, because we don't pay shareholders. We simply fold it right back into helping people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and as we said earlier, if you'd like to talk to one of our staff members about um, the the Christian life or a conflict uh, perhaps that you just can't push through, uh, let us be of help. Our number is 800, the letter A, and the word family. Or you can donate and get your copy of Brian's great book when you're at our website, focusonthefamily.ca. On behalf of Jim Daly and the entire team, thanks for joining us for Focus on the Family. I'm John Fuller inviting you back as we once more help you and your family thrive in Christ.